Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's December 15th, 2018, and that means there's just 10 days left until Christmas. Today on the show, we're going to examine the avian-filled Christmas song, The 12 Days of Christmas. We'll also use the force to brighten your yuletide. We'll reminisce about the best old Christmas TV commercials. I'll give you my hot take on Baby It's Cold Outside. And we'll write our final flick with all the hallmarks of a great Christmas movie. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome to the show! I'm Tim Babb, your host, and I'm super excited because Christmas is coming and the goose is getting fat. But we're not here to body shame birds, we're here to celebrate Christmas. Hope you're having a good holiday. Are your lights up? Your tree? Have you gone to any Christmas parties yet? I've been to two Christmas parties and a gingerbread house decorating party. I've helped decorate four Christmas trees and I've sent out my Christmas cards. But even that is not enough. I still need a little Christmas. Now! We need a... So for a little Christmas now, and I mean right now, like now now, the day this episode drops, December 15th, you should go to etsy.com slash shop slash boardteak. See, our magnificent band leader Kristen has started her own Etsy shop where she upcycles vintage Disney board games into pendants and other cool items. Now, when I say vintage, I mean she's literally getting, like, you. she's not scanning the artwork and giving you jewelry based on the scan. She's giving you the actual artwork made into these pendants and other things. It's really cool. And it's the perfect gift for that Disney lover in your life because it's unique, it's affordable, and it's made by the very same hands that were just playing Jingle Bells on the accordion mere moments ago. The reason I say now now, because I think you have to order the day this episode drops, December 15th, in order to get your orders before Christmas. But... When I told Kristen I was going to mention her Etsy store on the podcast, she's like, you know what? I'm going to give your listeners a 10% code that they can use for the rest of December. So if you go to Kristen's Etsy shop, which is linked in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com, you can use the coupon code CHRISTMASPOD, all one word, at checkout and get 10% off. And that goes now through December 31st. So that's a great way to get a little extra Christmas and a little extra Disney. And speaking of the Walt Disney Company, that's the other part of this Need a Little Christmas Now segment. company bought the Star Wars franchise a few years back, and recently, they've gotten us used to a new Star Wars movie on Christmas. Last year, we had The Last Jedi about now, Rogue One was the year before that, and before that was The Force Awakens. So, I've kind of gotten used to Christmas time being Star Wars time. But this year, they burned up our Star Wars in the summertime with Solo. So, The Force will not be with us this Christmas. Fortunately, my buddy Steve sent me a link to a perfect YouTube video to add a little Star Wars to your Christmas. Star Wars-related Christmas video sounds interesting. Hey, guy with asthma who sounds suspiciously like Darth Vader. I guess it makes sense that you'd be a big Star Wars fan. Why? Forget it. So what is this YouTube video you're on about? So it's the scene from the end of Return of the Jedi where, 
spoilers, Luke burns Darth Vader's costume. Not my favorite scene. Fair enough, but this YouTube video has it looped for five hours, so it's like you have your own Darth Vader Yule Log. What? They even added the crackling fireplace sounds over the top of it. That's actually what we're listening to right now. Why would we want that? Look, 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 it's awesome. No, you're a mean one, Mr. Bab. Well, I suppose it's not for everyone. I guess you'll have to decide for yourself. That pun was more offensive than the burning Darth Vader. Well, it's time to hear a word from our sponsors in today's Five Golden Things. Okay, I lied. We don't actually have any sponsors, but there are lots of TV shows out there that do. And come Christmas time, they can come up with some pretty legendary commercials. I posted on our Facebook page the other day asking you guys to share your favorite Christmas commercials, and it got me thinking, why don't I share mine? But before I do, I want to stress that this is not meant to imply endorsing of any of these products. I just like these commercials. Okay? Okay. Here we go. Number five. Payless. Merry Christmas from Payless. Merry Christmas. Beautiful hair. If you're not from a certain part of America, I imagine that jingle didn't ring any bells for you. But if you're from the western United States and you were around in the 80s, you can't tell me that wasn't a super strong shot of nostalgia. That jingle was from the Payless drugstores. They don't even exist anymore, but when someone says Merry Christmas, I will often think to myself, from Payless. Merry Hershey's Kisses. This was actually the most popular one on Facebook. A lot of you like these chocolate kiss bells, and I'm right there with you. It's a simple ad. The kisses look like bells, so let's arrange them in the shape of a Christmas tree and ring them to the tune of Wish You a Merry Christmas. And you gotta love that little red one that gets exhausted from ringing that last note at the end. Definitely a winner. Number three. Coca-Cola. has had a bunch of great Christmas ads over the years. In fact, they had a large role in shaping how we view Santa. They also somehow got polar bears and penguins together for an ad, even though they live on opposite poles. But my favorite Christmas Coca-Cola commercial was the one also mentioned on our Facebook. It's the caravan of trucks with the holidays are coming jingle. Fun fact, those trucks are all delivering to my house because that's how much caffeine I need to do these shows. Number two, Oreo. ones is popular outside of my brain, but I love this commercial of Santa coming in and snacking on some Oreos. It's such a Christmas touchstone for me that now I just generally associate the old Oreo jingle with Christmas. Folgers. much of a coffee drinker. That is to say, I've tried it maybe twice. But this commercial about the sun coming home from college and waking everybody up in the house with the smell of instant coffee definitely hits a sweet spot of nostalgia. 
Then there's those Norelco ads where Santa rides a Norelco electric razor like a sled through the snow. Christmas is a time for closeness, and closeness is what Norelco razors are all about. I don't actually ever remember seeing these ads growing up, but they've somehow seeped into my Christmas experience over the years through other people's nostalgia, I guess. They're cute ads, but I don't really get it. Is Santa shaving the snow? Is the ability to sled on a snowbank a good indicator of a great shave? What exactly is happening? Well, I'll ponder that later. Let's move on to... Number one! Fruity Pebbles! I was so glad someone mentioned this on Facebook because I thought I was the only one who had love for this commercial. See, the Fruity Pebbles mascots were Fred and Barney from the Flintstones, and there was this long-running series of commercials where Barney would try and steal Fred's Fruity Pebbles. Now, it's never really explained why Barney can't just go buy a box of Fruity Pebbles. Like, don't they have the same job? Why can Fred afford it but Barney can't? There are clearly money management issues in the Rubble household. It's also never explained how if the Flintstones takes place in prehistoric times, how could Christmas be a thing? But I'll just assume there was some time travel shenanigans after the Flintstones met the Jetsons. But in this ad, Santa convinces Fred to share with Barney. I always thought that was cool. Even their marketing gimmick had to give way to the spirit of Christmas. Plus, this version of Deck the Halls will really stick with you. I would say 9 out of 10 times when I hear the song Deck the Halls, I think the Fruity Pebbles theme in my head. So, that's my list. I know I left out a ton. Maybe we'll revisit this again. Don't forget to tell us your favorite Christmas commercials either on Facebook or in the comments at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. I see we have a bulletin coming in from our North Pole office, which must mean it's time for our next segment, All I Want for Christmas is News. Baby, all I want for Christmas is news. Yeah. Give me that news, baby. So, this seems to be the big Christmas story this year. As you no doubt have heard, several radio stations have banned the song Baby It's Cold Outside, including KOIT, which is right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It seems the song's lyrics have not aged well, according to some, and especially in light of the recent Me Too movement, several stations felt it was no longer appropriate to play the song. Now, I was debating whether or not to even talk about this, because it's clearly a divisive topic, but then I heard the oven timer go off. Yep, it's time to serve up some freshly baked, holly jolly hot takes. Watch your fingers, these are some hot takes coming at you. So, I'm sure some of you think I'm going to slam PC culture, and some of you think I'm going to stick it to the patriarchy. Well, in fact, I'm going to do neither. It's almost like this is an issue with many layers that can't be boiled down into something as simplistic as song good or song bad. Look, I'm not going to try and tell you how to feel about this song. Can it be viewed as innocent flirtation between two consenting adults? Yes. Was it written by a man who, intentionally or not, reflected the less-than-evolved attitudes towards gender roles and consent that society had 70-plus years ago? Yes. Should the song be played on the radio? I don't know. But I do know a couple of things. One, the radio stations didn't ban the song. They just took it out of rotation. It happens all the time. Like, when was the last time you heard I'm blue, da-ba-dee-da-ba-da on the radio? Probably not in a while. But it wasn't banned. Station programmers just concluded that the listeners didn't want to hear it anymore, so it got dropped from the rotation. That's clearly what happened here. 
they'd heard enough people saying that they didn't like this song to think, oh, maybe we should just drop this from the rotation. Only, when they took I'm Blue, Abba Dee, Abba Die out of the rotation, they didn't make a big deal of announcing it. But when they announced the removal of Baby It's Cold Outside, it created such a backlash, people called in, emailed in, they social mediaed in, they, they acted like Baby It's Cold Outside was the cure for death. And that leads me to my next point, y'all need to calm down. This isn't even a Christmas song, it's just a song about a date that may or may not be ending. It just happens to take place on a cold snowy day. There's no mention of Jesus, Mary, angels, shepherds, nothing. There's not even Santa, elves, reindeer, snowmen, not even a sleigh bell or a mistletoe. People want to act like Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, but at least it takes place at Christmas. This song could take place in the middle of February, so stop fighting over this song. This is not the snow-covered hill you want to die on. If the song bothers you, turn it off. If the radio station stopped playing it, download it. But for the love of Blitzen, stop acting like it's so important. This song has gotten way more attention than it deserves because of this controversy. Playing the song isn't going to ruin anyone's life. And a radio station not playing the song isn't going to ruin anyone's Christmas. So let's all agree. This isn't a big deal. Let's drop it and focus on hating a song that deserves it, Christmas Shoes. Besides, there are real Christmas songs out there that deserve to be talked about. And with that, we can cool off these holly jolly hot takes and move on to our feature segment and talk about the 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Your next mini on the third day of Christmas. So a while ago, I got a Facebook message from Marion. And she sent me a playlist of the 19 most varied versions of the 12 Days of Christmas she could find. And her list is indeed varied. It's got everything from Straight No Chaser to Barking Classics to The Muppets. I'll post the full list at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now, originally I was going to take her list and do a 5 Golden Things countdown of the best versions of 12 Days of Christmas. But then I thought, you know what, this song deserves a deep dive. I should devote my December episode to understanding the history of the 12 Days of Christmas. I figured it'd be easy. We'll just follow the song from its origins to its modern-day incarnation, because I'm sure all that stuff is written down. It'll be really easy to follow. Yeah, here's the thing. No one actually knows the origins of this song. They think the first written version of it was in a children's book called Mirth Without Mischief in 1770. But they think the song is around even earlier than that, because it lists the song as sung at King Pepin's Ball. Pepin was a king of France from 751 to 768. And that's where this trail grows cold. So we know it was probably written in France sometime before 768. So I was like, great, I'm not going to be able to find out the when. Maybe I can find out the why? Like, what is the point of all these goofy gifts? So I heard one story that it turns out in the 16th century, Catholics were forbidden from practicing their faith in England. So parents had to get creative in order to pass along the tenets of the Catholic faith and in order to avoid the consequences from the Church of England. So they came up with this coded Christmas song that they could use to pass along this forbidden knowledge. For instance, the partridge represents Jesus and the pear tree represents the cross. Or the two turtle doves represent the Old and New Testaments. The three French hens represent the three gifts that the wise men brought to baby Jesus. Wait, no, I'm sorry. They represent the Holy Trinity. No, hold on. They represent faith, hope, and charity? Wait, these versions differ wildly. How could this be a way to remember the tenets of the Catholic faith if there is no set meaning to this code? Yeah, you probably guessed that this story is likely not true. Not only was the song likely much older than the 16th century, as we mentioned before, it was probably from France, where Catholicism wasn't persecuted in the same way. Also, some of these things contained in the code, like Jesus and the cross, 
Those are not banned ideas in the Church of England. Why would they need a code to teach them something that the Church of England is already teaching them? Now, I want to be clear. If you've heard of this coded meaning of the 12 days of Christmas and you've assigned this meaning to the song when you sing it, that is perfectly valid. Just because that's not how the song started doesn't mean that's not a great way to enjoy the song and incorporate your faith into another aspect of the celebration of Christmas. I don't want to come off like I'm down on this idea at all. I'm just saying there's a difference between that's what it means and that's what it means to me. So if it wasn't a secret code, then what was it? Well, the running theory was that it was a round-robin type game to play in a group. You go around and everybody takes a turn. As it goes to the next person, you add a day. And then you keep going until someone messes up. Then they have to give up one of their treats or a kiss. Now, I'm glad I wasn't around back then because I'm sure the whole circle would be chanting... I hope Tim doesn't mess up. 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 gifts aren't a code, why don't we try looking at them at face value? First, the partridge in a pear tree is odd because partridges don't nest in trees, they nest on the ground. What's that partridge doing in that pear tree? Well, some think the pear tree is actually a mistranslation of the French word for partridge. But that doesn't really make sense, why would the first gift be a partridge in a partridge? Is this like some early prototype turducken? So I kept looking around and apparently there was a red-legged partridge that was known for perching in trees, so that might be what they were talking about. And while some think the pear tree was just an accident of translation, others believe it might represent the tradition of wassailing fruit trees. They'd pour a mixture of cider, honey, spices, and lamb's wool around the tree. Now, I think that'd scare the partridge away, but you live your life, you nutty 18th century tree wassailers! Now, the two turtle doves are birds typically associated with love, so they make sense. The three French hens were harbingers of good luck and symbolize devoted motherhood. The four calling birds are actually supposed to be four collie birds. It's just a fancy way to say blackbirds. While they do sing, they're also good eating. Stick those bad boys in a meat pie and you've got yourself a medieval times delight. Now the five gold rings likely don't refer to jewelry, but rather to a type of pheasant with gold bands of color on its neck. So that's one more for the bird lovers, but I'm sure quite a disappointment for lovers of bling. Then your six geese laying. What can I say? Geese are also great to eat. The seven swans of swimming may have been selected because swans have come to represent chivalry. Now we abruptly change from birds to people. They say that this is evidence that the song was once two songs that got mushed together. Of course, they also say the song's from England and has some sort of weird Dan Brown Da Vinci code in it, so you can't believe what they say. But let's move on to these eight maids of milking. One theory of why they're in the song is because the cows might be a nod to the animals greeting baby Jesus in the manger. But seeing as the animals weren't even in the Bible, it's likely people just like milk. Now, this book I checked out from the library, 12 Days of Christmas, A Celebration in History by Lee Grant, moves on to Nine Drummers Drumming, which seems out of order to me, but according to that original publication of the lyrics back in 1770, this is the order. Also, drummers used to wander the streets calling the hours and apparently serenading sleepers at midnight. What a horrible idea! Don't serenade me at midnight with drums, especially on Christmas! Okay, on the tenth day, we've got ten pipers piping. In France, bagpipes were used as dance music. Doesn't that seem unfathomable? How are you going to get your groove on to bagpipes? <laughs> Doesn't seem to go. No? Just me? All right. Then we've got 11 ladies dancing, which may be a reference to dancing the earth back to life from the cold winter, which was a pagan tradition. And finally, 12 lords a-leaping. This likely harkens back to the more boisterous celebrations of Christmas. Maybe. 
I don't know. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. On the twelfth day, my true love gave to me twelve drummers drumming like Olympus above the Serengeti. Eleven pipers piping, ten lords a-leaping. So even looking at the gifts one by one in a historical context, we still don't have a certainty about what they are or what they mean. But there is one thing we can find out with some certainty, how much they cost. The PNC Financial Services Group does a calculation each year about how much it would cost to buy all the gifts in the 12 days of Christmas. This year is actually their 35th year of doing this, and the total for 2018 is $39,094.93, up 450 bucks from last year. You know, you could actually get your true love a Mercedes and save yourself a couple thousand dollars. You might also save yourself a lot of logistical, ethical, and possibly legal hassles. The impracticality of these gifts is just criminal. We found proof of such in this group of letters we obtained from a court case filing. That's right, the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is finally going to get some of that sweet, true crime podcast love as we read these totally real and not at all made up letters, the 12 thank you notes of Christmas. December 14th. Dearest John, I went to the door today and the postman delivered a partridge and a pear tree. Oh, what a delightful gift. I couldn't have been more surprised. With dearest love and affection, Agnes. December 15th. Dearest John, today the postman brought your very sweet gift. Just imagine two turtle doves. I'm just delighted at your very thoughtful gift. They are just adorable. All my love, Agnes. December 16th. Dear John, oh, aren't you the extravagant one? Now I must protest. I don't deserve such generosity. Three French hens. They are just darling, but I must insist you're just too kind. Love, Agnes. December 17th. Today the postman delivered four calling birds. Now really, they are beautiful. But don't you think enough is enough? You're being too romantic. Affectionately, Agnes. December 18th. Dearest John, what a surprise! Today the postman delivered five golden rings, one for each finger. You're just impossible, but I love it. Frankly, John, all those squawking birds were beginning to get on my nerves. All my love, Agnes. December 19th. Dear John, when I opened the door, there was actually six geese laying on my front steps. So you're back to the birds again, huh? Those geese are huge. Where will I ever keep them? The neighbors are complaining and I can't sleep through the racket. Please stop. Cordially, Agnes. December 20th. John, what's with you and the birds? Seven swans are swimming? What kind of joke is this? There's bird doo-doo all over the house and they never stop the racket. I'm a nervous wreck and I can't sleep all night. It's not funny. So stop with those birds. Sincerely, Agnes. December 21st. OK, 
Okay, Buster. I think I prefer the birds. What am I going to do with eight maids of milking? It's not enough with all those birds and eight maids of milking, but they had to bring their own cows. There's poop all over the lawn, and I can't move into my own house. Just lay off me. Ag. December 22nd. Hey, what are you? Some kind of sadist? Now there's nine pipers playing. And do they play? They never stopped chasing those maids since they got here yesterday morning. The cows are upset and are stepping all over those screeching birds. No wonder they screech. What am I going to do? The neighbors have started a petition to evict me. You'll get yours from Ag. December 23rd. You creep. Now there's ten ladies dancing. I don't know why I call them ladies. Now the cows can't sleep and they've got diarrhea. My living room is a river of poop. The commissioner of buildings has subpoenaed me to give cause why the building shouldn't be condemned. I'm sicking the police on you. One who means it. Ag. December 24th. Listen, idiot. What's with the 11 lords of leaping? All 234 of the birds are dead. I hope you're satisfied, you rotten swine. Your sworn enemy, Miss Agnes McAllister. December 25th. From the law offices of Taker, Speeder, and Beggar. Dear sir, this is to acknowledge your latest gift of 12 fiddlers fiddling, which you have seen fit to inflict upon our client, Miss Agnes McAllister. The destruction, of course, was total. All correspondence should come to our attention. If you should attempt to reach Miss McAllister at Happydale Sanitarium, the attendees have instructions to shoot you on sight. With this letter, please find attached a warrant for your arrest. Merry Christmas. All right, coming clean. That's actually a bit uh, posted at the Hymns and Carols of Christmas website. I'll put a link to that in the show notes of this episode in case you want to share it. It's a good Facebook forward this time of year. So what did we learn about the 12 days of Christmas? Well, we learned that we don't know that much about it. We don't know when it was written, where it was written, who wrote it, or why. Other than that, we nailed it. One thing I know for sure, the best version of this song is by John Denver and the Muppets, and I will fight anybody who disagrees! On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Twelve drummers drumming And boards are leaping Eight maids are milking Seven ones are swimming Six geese are laying Okay, actually, I won't fight anybody, whether they disagree or not. I'll leave the fighting to the songs in our musical showdown feature, Who Sang It Best? Last time, we set two versions of Sleigh Ride against each other and gave you the chance to vote for your favorite. And in the first time in Can't Wait for Christmas history, we have a tie. As of the time I'm recording this episode, the votes are split 50-50 between the Ronettes and Ella Fitzgerald. So I'm going to leave the polls open, and hopefully we can choose a winner on our Christmas Eve Eve bonus episode. So get over to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and vote once a day until then to help us decide who sang it best. Finally, before we go, it's time for our last attempt to write the perfect TV Christmas flick, one with all the hallmarks of a great Christmas movie. 
been a fun experiment to have been trying all year. I've been stripping some of the details out of these Hallmark Christmas movies, and you've been helping me add in some new details, which is, I assume, how they write the scripts for these things every year. So I asked you folks to send me a type of business, a Christmas noun, a job, another type of business, a job related to that other kind of business, an adjective, another adjective, a city, and a noun. And thank you to Sean, Steve, Mike, Sean, spelled differently from the other Sean, Blake, Brian, Michelle, Jen, Alexia, Laura, Chad, Justin, Jamie, Amy, Christy, Kelly, Jennifer, different from Jen, Jolly, Mary, Brian, Scott, Christina, Alvin, Leslie, Jenica, Andrew, Matt, and Mandy for writing in on the tweets, the Instagrams, and the Facebookings. And you guys came up with Toy Store, Elf, Snowplow Driver, Dog Spa, Dog Groomer, Frumpy, Sparkly, Port Townsend, and Reindeer Food. And that leads us to our story, An Elf Romance. With Christmas just weeks away, the toy store Mandy works for enters her in a contest in which the teams will design and build a life-sized elf. After the contest, Mandy will likely be getting a promotion and a position in another city. The store teams her up with Alexia, a renowned snowplow driver with whom Mandy instantly locks horns. When Alexia backs out, Mandy stumbles into a local dog spa and meets Blake, a dog groomer and single dad. In an act of desperation, Mandy convinces Blake to partner with her for the contest, arguing that winning would give the dog spa and its grooming styles much-needed exposure. For years, Mandy has been resistant to call anywhere home, for fear it will only be frumpy. But the time she spends with Blake and his daughter, Michelle, in their sparkly home, decorating for Christmas and exploring Port Townsend at Christmas, fills her with a longing for a place to call reindeer food. First off, we nailed it. Who doesn't want to see that story? Secondly, I have to say, this is the first time that someone actually submitted a word that was an exact match to the original. I asked for a Christmas noun, and Amy suggested gingerbread. Well, the original title of this movie is The Gingerbread Romance, which will be premiering on Hallmark December 16th, so you can watch it and then decide for yourself if our version would have been better. Spoiler alert. Yes. And that's our show. Time to say goodbye, but don't you cry. I'll be back again someday. Specifically, I'll be back Christmas Eve Eve with our annual bonus episode. In the meantime, don't forget to go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com to tell us your favorite Christmas commercials, check out the Vader Yule Log, vote for your favorite version of Sleigh Ride, and get that link to etsy.com slash shop slash to use that code CHRISTMASPOD to get 10% off Kristen's upcycled vintage board game jewelry. And if you'd like to learn more about the 12 Days of Christmas, you can check out our sister podcast, Christmas Past. You see, the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, a collection of the greatest Christmas podcasts around. And one of them is Christmas Past, a podcast that tells the stories behind your favorite holiday traditions and celebrates Christmas nostalgia. They also just did an episode about the 12 Days of Christmas where they looked more at the linguistics of the song, and they've also done quite a few episodes recently. So you can find more about that show and all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. All right, friends, so I gotta run. Literally, the day this episode drops, I will be running in the Silicon Valley Santa Run. That's right, it's in San Jose and it's a 5K. I don't know how I got talked into this, maybe because I'll be getting a free Santa suit out of the deal, but I guarantee I'll have some funny posts on Facebook and on Instagram, and maybe I'll even get some audio that I'll put in our next episode, which will happen Christmas Eve Eve, so just a little over a week. In the meantime, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. 
Actually, Dad, it's 2018. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can'twaitforchristmaspod. Or on Twitter, we are at christmaspod. Or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. <laughs> hey, everybody, my wife is recording this on her birthday. I'm starting. I accidentally clicked on start before I was ready. Whew, why do I always lose my voice right before it's time to record the December episodes? December, November, I'm usually, I've got some sort of sickness. I gotta work on that. Maybe it's because I'm staying up too late planning these episodes. Nah! That disclaimer about not endorsing the products in these commercials made more sense when the Budweiser... Uh, commercial had made my top five, but when I adjusted things around and it got booted off the list, now it just sounds like, hey, don't eat Fruity Pebbles, which I, I don't care if you eat Fruity Pebbles. It's not like it's the end of the world. Not the be- not the most nutritious thing, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not going to kill you. I don't actually ever remember seeing these ads growing up, but they've somehow seeped into my Christmas experience over the... But they've somehow seeped into my Christmas experience... Christmas experience is a hard one. And she sent me a playlist of 19 of the most varied versions of the 12 Days of Christmas she could find. Woo! Huh! Yep. When I get a cold, I start to get a puberty voice. Huh! Pepin was a king of France from 17... No. Pepin was a king of France from 751 to 768. Pepin was a king of France from 7... Pepin! Pepin! Hey, Pepin! Would you get over here? Tell me the years you were king. I hope Tim doesn't mess up. 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 I hope Tim does. I hope Tim doesn't mess up. 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 That is harder to say than you think. You guys came up with Toy Story. Thomas said Toy Story. Because this recording session is going to infinity and beyond.